I do wonder whether it's to your taste or not. <laughs> because I'm a massive moany complaining bitch. Are you the ghost of Christmas future? <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of Christmas yet to come doesn't speak. That's not very good for a podcast, though. <laughs> Um, Have you read Hemming McHemming? No. Is that a Julia Donaldson? Yes, a fantastic book. What's the premise of that one? A guy who hosts a podcast and is shown the evil of his ways. Does it have a happy ending? Mm, I don't want to spoil anything. Lewisham in the building. Lewisham champions forever. Amazing. This podcast was recorded remotely and may contain adult language and themes. Ho, 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 and welcome to TV DNA, the Watchlist Christmas special. Radio Times and Highlighters at the ready, as this week we're going to be talking about what's on over the Christmas period, including the best of Christmas telly. We've also got our fourth instalment of our University Challenge, this time on Tom Baker. My name is Adam Henning, and he's a bar humbug who enjoys his ho, ho, ho's. It's Damien Cooper. It's humbug still. And he's usually on the naughty list and often found coming down chimneys. It's Neil Shepek. Ho, 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 back at you. Well, thanks for finding the time to do this, chaps, because we've all just been moaning off air about how busy and tired we all are. <laughs> but um, we're going to try and push through all of that and bring some Christmas cheer. Grace and Izzy couldn't be with us. They are, in fact, having some Christmas cheer on this very uh, Sunday afternoon. But they're going to drop some voice notes across to us. So we'll edit those into the podcast so you'll get some Christmas wishes from Grace and Izzy too. Good afternoon, TV DNA listeners. It's Grace here wishing you a very, very merry Christmas. I'm sorry I can't be on the record today. I'm currently creating a epic Christmas buffet for my friends who are who are coming over. Um, will I nail it or will I be like Jamie Lee Curtis in The Bear and end up pissed, crying and covered in parsnip puree? Only time will tell. Oh, that's the time I've got to go. Merry Christmas. Hello, lovely TV DNA listeners. It's Izzy here dropping in via the medium of voice note to wish you a very Merry Christmas. So whether you're heading to a White Lotus for a sort of relaxing break, Attempting the Feast of the Seven Fishes and or what? Just spending time with your cousin, uncles and various other relatives. I hope you have a lovely festive time and I hope you watch plenty of telly. But before we get into all the Christmas stuff, let's cover what we've been watching. Damien, we haven't seen you for a couple of weeks. Do you want to kick us off with uh, the shows you've been watching? Sure. Um, I can't remember what I haven't haven't said that I've watched. But what I can quickly tell you is, is I've continued to watch Fargo. It's still brilliant. Cannot recommend it enough. It's really good fun. Lots of great actors doing great things. And we're getting more and more about, shall we say, the characters that aren't leads. We're getting a little bit more of their story, which is very interesting, I think. I've watched the latest Louis Theroux meets. This one is Ashley Walters, a.k.a. Duchesne, a.k.a. Asher D of the So Solid crew. And yeah, it's good. I find Ashley Walters to be a phenomenal actor. And obviously I was big into Garage back in there. So uh, it was something that I enjoyed very much, Adam. It popped up on my iPlayer, um, the Lou through Ashley Walters interview. So I had a watch of that as well. Um, and I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. He's quite a reserved guy in a lot of ways. Yeah, definitely. My issue... However, and I don't know if this is controversial enough, I've actually kind of gone off Louis Theroux's documentaries. I'm a big Louis Theroux fan. I find that him in his one-on-one interviews with famous people is far less interesting 
than when he is exploring a subculture. I think that when is when we're really learning about societal things that are far more interesting. But I know that that has a, a limited lifespan because you know, we should always be kind of changing and reinventing and making things different. And also it started happening a little bit with those interviews that because Louis Theroux is such a big deal, people aren't necessarily being entirely candid because they're talking to Louis Theroux. And I don't know if that's weird, as Louis Theroux would say or not, but it's it's just a little bit of a shame. I don't know if there's any way around that for the, for the reasons I've just said. Bring back Parkinson. Or Wogan. <laughs> could be tough. Yeah, I, I feel like he's he talks to very cool people, doesn't he, Louis Through? And, and it always just feels to me like it's a, it, you know, he's he's trying to be that cool. Yeah, I agree. I think I quite like Louis Through as the slightly nerdy outsider. Yeah. Who's curious about this world that he doesn't know and therefore takes us on that journey rather than, as you said, Louis Through, culture heavyweight. And what comes with that? I mean, there's an, another example of that is in this interview with Ashley Waters. It opens with Ashley Waters' kids singing Louis Theroux's rap because they've seen it on the TikTok. I don't think they watched his late 90s documentary with the Chicago hip-hop uh, underworld that he, he he put in, which was a phenomenal one, by the way. If you haven't watched any of Louis Theroux's Weird Weekends, definitely hit the back catalogue for those. And I think there's an element of that. He makes a joke about, oh, well, it would be quite cool for Ashley Waters to be mates with him rather than him being mates with Ashley Waters because that's almost a little bit of the power dynamic, which is, yeah, I think you're right. It's not as interesting as him as the slightly nerdy, awkward outsider. I think I think we've covered that enough. I got excited when I saw on Prime that there was the Uncle Roger show. Uncle Roger is obviously a YouTube sensation for me and my fellow Gen Zs. And I got excited, but it turns out that the TV series on Prime is just the YouTube videos that he made a good few years ago now. So I guess it's a way for people who aren't necessarily on YouTube. I know, Adam, you have bemoaned the talk of YouTube on this podcast. So maybe I, you can let Uncle Roger into your world and onto your list uh, because that is available on Amazon Prime. I watched the first episode of Boat Story. I think that's how it's pronounced, isn't it? Boat Story or is it Boat Story? I can't remember. It's the one on BBC <laughs> with Daisy Haggard and Patterson jo Joseph. Yes, it is indeed. I got to the end of the first episode and I'm not so sure I'll go back to it, I'm afraid. And I am a big fan of both of them. Um, you didn't like The Tourist, though, either, did you? No, I really didn't like that. And it is, it's made by the same people. I think, yeah, it, it probably isn't your cup of tea, which I think is a real shame because I think they're both brilliant in this uh, and the supporting cast as well. It's Craig Fairbrass, isn't it? It's, um, he's, he, he's so good in this, so, so good. I think Boat Story is is up there as one of the one of the best shows this year. But I do wonder whether it's to your taste or not. <laughs> because I'm a massive moany complaining bitch. Well, if you didn't like The Tourist, you may not get on with this. That's the basic gist, I guess. <laughs> I, I might go back to it. And then the uh, the final thing I want to talk about, uh, Adam and I have already had beef about this in the uh, WhatsApp group. So, guys, I'm sorry. I know you don't want to see family members argue at Christmas, but... I watched the first episode of Vigil and it left me as cold as if I'd been ejected from the sub in season one. <laughs> yeah, I listened, obviously, to last week's pod and I think you're right. I think the opening 10, 15 minutes is really world-made TV. I, I really enjoyed that. 
I think once that was over, I immediately started having issues with everything. I'm a big fan of Rose Leslie, but I feel like her energy is so different to everything else in this show. And so it feels like she's in a different show to everyone else. It's also very difficult because those police interviews are never like that in real life. If you have someone who you think might be a suspect or a witness, you don't immediately go at them full pelt. That will never get you any information. I thought Sir Anne Jones, sorry, uh, Knight of the Realm Sir Anne Jones was good in this. I'm a big fan of hers anyway, but I like uh, I liked her energy in this. But you'd think, come on, how many times have you got to spend time talking to people in the armed forces before you realise they're never going to fucking tell you anything unless they absolutely have to? And my other gripe before I hand the uh, the conch to Adam, is that having worked with the military police, they are never, ever that competent. <laughs> You're not going to get a knock at the door after this, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I've watched the first three episodes. Um, I haven't checked recently, but those the three episodes were up initially, and I couldn't really tell you what happened in them. It's, it's not particularly memorable. I don't think it's as good as the first season was, and we had issues with the first season. I'm the reverse, and I think Rose Leslie's quite quite good, and, and like the Remsor and Jones is a little bit frustrating for me. But uh, yeah, it's okay. It's okay, and I probably will finish it. I will say it goes, it does go at a lick. It's quite fast-paced, but um, it's not a, a must-watch for me by any stretch it's not really a recommendation is it no definitely not and i think for being in that kind of 9 p.m sunday evening bbc drama slot it's not quite up to the standard of things that we normally see there my other question is because a lot of this is to do with or is at least connected to a i'm guessing middle eastern country with a made-up name and part of me feels like just fucking name a country we know it's not real like, I, I, it was the same even, it was one of the few qualms I had with the West Wing was when they had a made-up Middle Eastern country where there was a problem. Why do it? Just name a country, for God's sake. If you want us to believe this is the real world, just name a country. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's me, grumbling over. <laughs> I'm not sure grumbling will be over, but do your best, Damon. Are you the ghost of Christmas future? <laughs> The ghost of Christmas yet to come doesn't speak. That's not very good for a podcast, though. <laughs> Neil, what have you been watching? Therefore, I'm not the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Well, I watched the Strictly final yesterday. I'm personally a bit disappointed about the couple who won. I'd preferred it to have been a different couple. But all very good, very enjoyable. It seems like Christmas isn't Christmas without Strictly um, anymore. Um, was it the professional dancer who won? No. Okay. We're doing spoilers now. Well, we don't have to. But I think by the time we get this edited now, anyone who cares yeah. about Strictly will have, will have watched it. But yeah. But yeah, here's your, here's your spoiler warning then for Strictly. Tell us who won, Neil. Ellie. And I really wanted Bobby to win. I thought he his his final final dances, and particularly the one that he chose, um, that was all about losing his mum when he was four. That really got to me. And he is a beautiful individual. So I'm I think he should have won. But Ellie won, and that's great as well. I, I know other people who wanted Ellie to win. I mean, to be honest, I'm happy for any winner. But um, yeah, I, I would preferred a different result. As far as other things, I finished Smothered, and 
to be honest, it didn't improve from the first episode I watched that I talked about last week. Um, it's all right. It's fine. You know, have it on the background. Um, didn't really care about either the two protagonists. They did their thing and, you know, it was what it was. But yeah, there were much better programs to have on in the background or when you just want some light relief. Damo, I think you want to give me some light relief. Go on. Yeah, I mean, my hand was up. <laughs> so just, just for those of us who haven't watched Smothered, Smothered, is that the rom-com that was billed as not your average rom-com, but absolutely was indeed your average rom-com? Yep. Right, okay, sure. Well, I think the two leads are quite charming and engaging. I enjoy sort of spending time spending time with them. But one more episode to watch, and I, I did feel the, the fifth one dragged for me a little bit, whereas the first four I was like, I was engaged and interested enough, and I thought it was, as I said last week, I thought it had legs. Um, it did feel like the fifth episode was maybe one one too many, but um, I, I will finish it, as is my want. Yeah, five legs is just too many. <laughs> Anything else, Neil? I'm really looking forward to watching the final of Survivor tonight. I've been loving that. Other than that, it, we're near the end of, ter- of term at school and been watching Jim Carrey's Christmas Carol and a whole variety of other Christmas movies. Isn't Christmas great? Whether it's Home Alone or whether it's The Muppets Christmas Carol, which is my favourite version of Christmas Carol, any excuse to watch some fun movies. Yeah, I agree. Muppets Christmas Carol is the best Christmas Carol. But I think Jim Carrey does deserve some recognition because he's pretty much everyone in that isn't he yeah he's fantastic in that version of a christmas carol yeah he is it's absolutely fantastic and our english lessons for autumn two have all been about the christmas carol and so yeah lots of opportunities not just this week we've just been finishing off this week but yeah no if you haven't watched it jim carrey's well it's not his version but the version the more modern version with Jim Carrey in it he is fantastic in it yeah I've never seen it I've never been a big fan of Jim Carrey but there's some of his work I've enjoyed more than more than others but maybe I'll check that out this Christmas as a new a new experience Uh, we watched Nativity the other week but that's that's been the limit of our Christmas well it's only my Christmas watching so far but I have also been fairly busy this week Uh, it's only a few days since we recorded and then I had to edit our last Mammoth podcast so I've only got four shows that I'm going to talk about you'll be relieved to hear (laughs) the first one is The Crown final six episodes now on Netflix of The Crown Um, I'm halfway through episode six I've not watched very much of this I think Jonathan I'm not going to give any spoilers away but I think Jonathan Price steals the show in episode five and there's there's a really funny dream sequence at the beginning of episode six Catherine's watched it all already. She was already on a bit of a downer when it came to this season of The Crown, and uh, it hasn't sort of uh, improved for her. But um, I think if you're a fan and you enjoy it, there's still some good stuff in there. Jonathan Price, so The Sparrow. I mean, everyone should know if you're a queen, it's not good to be around The Sparrow. (laughs) (laughs) I thought something else that I see when the promotional images is what Claire Foy, Olivia Coleman, and the current woman who's playing the queen, I can't remember. Melda Staunton. That's it. Of course, it's a Melbourne song. I've never watched The Crown. But it had the three of them and someone underneath it said, has The Crown gone multiverse? <laughs> that would be exciting. 
Um, I hadn't twigged the the second part of season six had been released. I, I think that's going to be the rest of my Sunday. Yeah, I think you dropped out of last week's podcast where we were, Greg and I were talking about it coming out. I think that was the point where you're, you're, uh, you, you dropped out of the Zoom. It's out and uh, yeah, we'll chat more about that when we both finished it, I'm sure. I'm also continuing, I'm nearly finished $1 trillion on Paramount+. Plus. This was a German, German-Italian show that I talked about previously. Um, and just wanted to flag that it is still good. And um, I'd often am a bit damning of Paramount Plus and their shows, but I think this is a really thrilling and plausible exploration of the nefarious doings of the super rich. We've got sort of a secret cabal in there. Um, you've got sort of government involvement, and it quite cleverly and neatly sort of picks apart moments in history. The most recent episode, kind of looking at sort of American politics and how that's uh, evolved in favour of the super rich over time but it also has you know some quite exciting action sequences and things in there as well uh, and a really good cast uh yeah i think this is a decent european show and i'm looking forward to finishing that six episodes on paramount plus now the show that i've finished with a heavy heavy heart that i've got no more to watch is reservation dogs and it was the perfect way to go out so Mufto, Res Dogs, uh, thank you for everything you've given. Have either of you continued watching any Res Dogs? Yeah, I finished the first series and I I will watch the rest. I've, I've started to engage with the characters, so I will watch the rest, but I haven't got to the end. So please, no spoilers. I haven't, but it will happen. Grant, and now I've got a new show that I've been watching that we haven't previewed or mentioned at all. It popped up on my Netflix, and I thought, this looks interesting, and I'll give it a go. It's called 1670, and it's a Polish comedy. So it's set in the 17th century, in the year 1670, and we meet Jan Pavel Adamczewski, whose ambition is to be the most famous Jan Pavel in Poland. The Polish are very funny, particularly in the 17th century. So, yeah, this sounds good. We then meet the rest of his family. So you've got uh, Stanislav, who's in a post-Baroque band, uh, Jakob, who's found religion as a way to make money, and Aniela, who's a teenager who does strange things like use a toothbrush. And then we've got uh, Zofia, his wife, who's described as like the lost soul of a dead person endlessly tormenting you from the grave. <laughs> Another lovely line about having, in their village, they've got the greatest minds, hearts and fallacies in all of Poland. I'm laughing already. I can't wait. Is is Jan Pavel the Polish equivalent of John Smith? Possibly. I don't know. He's It's kind of the whole setup is Adam Chichia. I'm probably not pronouncing that right, but that's the sort of village that they live. And it's sort of ruled by these two people, Jan Pavel being one of them. So you've got a lot of sort of lower peasants and stuff and he's who he treats pretty badly. But yeah, it, it's it's kind of, it's it's very funny. I've only watched one episode, but I'm going to go back and watch more of this. Watch it. Why can we watch it? This is on Netflix. I've just realised I forgot something. Something important happened. It was the Rap Game UK final. And my boy, LR Loose won. Lewisham in the building. Lewisham champions forever. Amazing. Okay, should we cover, should we talk about what's coming out this week? And then we'll move on to Christmas telly. I'll kick us off with Percy Jackson and the Olympians, which comes out on Disney Plus on the 20th of December. This is about 12-year-old modern demigod Percy Jackson, who's coming to terms with his newfound divine powers when the sky god Zeus accuses him of stealing his master lightning bolt. With his friend's help, Percy must restore order to Olympus 
based on, obviously, the incredibly successful book series by Rick Reardon. Phoebe's just finished that first series and really wants to start reading more of the spin-offs. She thoroughly enjoyed this. Walker Scoble is the age-appropriate Percy. Previous film versions, I think, have aged up Percy Jackson. And he'll be abetted by Leah Jeffries, Arian Simhadri and Charles Bushnell. And then we've got acting gods including Lance Reddick, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Megan Mullally and Jason Mantzoukas appearing in this as well. So pretty good cast. I will almost certainly be watching this with Phoebe. Obviously Lance Reddick, RIP. Yes, indeed. Uh, on a slightly brighter note, sorry, I completely brought the mood down with that. On the 21st of December on ITVX, the Winter King arrives. A former warrior now turned monk tells the story of how Arthur became the Lord of War despite the illegitimacy of his throne as he evolves from outcast to legendary warrior and leader. And that stars Ian Decatur-Stecker, Jordan Alexandra, Ellie James, Eddie Marson and Daniel Ings. This is something I'm a little bit excited about, I have to say. Yeah, the trailer looks good for this. So yeah, and I'm a big fan of the indicator decker. I think he's he's a watchable lead. So yeah, this will be good winter Christmas viewing, I reckon. Definitely. But what if Disney had a second season of What If? which will come on the 22nd of December, mere days before St. Nick visits us all, where we head back into the multiverse for animated alternate stories, such as What If Happy Hogan Saved Christmas? What If the Avengers Assembled in 1602? I mean, I don't know what any of that means. Plus, we'll be introduced to a new character in the What If, Kahori Reshaped the World. Right? Uh, did that make sense? No, no. What- I have no sounds to make. <laughs> what if Kahori reshaped the world is the question right yeah well thankfully that will be covered in one of the nine episodes which will be released daily uh jeffrey wright returns to lend his voice to the watcher plus Haley atwell chris hemsworth and benedict cucumber sandwich did you watch any of these before neil no i haven't i'm assuming you have adam do you recommend yeah i do i think they're really good alternate stories i mean if you Depends if you like that multiverse stuff, you know, it's kind of, you know, seeing Peggy Carter as Captain America, for example, there's sort of a lot of fun to be had with all of that sort of thing. Uh, I'm intrigued by the new character, Kahori. Uh, in the Avengers comics, they had a they had a run where there was an Avengers of 1602, which included, you know, people like Odin and sort of earlier versions of the Black Panther and stuff like that as, as uh, an Avengers team without officially calling themselves the Avengers. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be watching this again, probably with the kids. Mm-hmm. Also, out. so we're pushing on to the... We're, gonna, we're not going to have an episode come out next week, I don't think. So we'll cover a couple of quick things that are coming out in between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, we've got Based on a True Story, which is out on Sky and Now TV on the 28th of December. It's a comedy thriller in which a realtor, a former tennis star and a plumber sees a unique opportunity to capitalise on America's obsession with true crime. It stars Kaylee Cuoco with Chris Messina, Tom Bateman and Stranger Things' Natalia Dyer. Do love her. I think she's great. But yeah, this feels a little bit sort of Only Murders in the Building-esque without perhaps the same level of comedy. <laughs> Do we know if the plumber is a Super Mario or not? Uh Unconfirmed at this point. No, I think the plumber is Tom Bateman. I think Kaylee Cuoco and Chris Messina play a couple. And I think, based on the trailer, Tom Bateman is the plumber who comes in. I don't think he's got a moustache in the episode. Or uh, uh, what is he, his brother, his cousin? Are they brothers, Mario and Luigi? 
Yeah, Mario Brothers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mario Mario and Luigi Mario, I believe, are their full names, which is really helpful. Mario Squared, if you will. I thought it was unlikely, to be honest, because I don't think Mario would attach himself to a project that Kelly Cuoco was in. Uh, well, who's going to man up and talk about men up? Happily, uh, this is a story that's actually quite close to my heart um, as a Welsh man who has embarked on one of the world's first medical trials for the drug that would then become Viagra. That's that's obviously the five characters uh, in this show, Man Up, which is coming to BBC on the 29th of December. Uh, in the process, the trial takes them to some very unexpected places and forces them to reassess their lives. I'm assuming whilst they're incredibly tumescent in a film, so a one and done, which is a bit of a waste if they've had a Viagra. Stars Young Rian, Steffi Rodri and Joanna Page. How have you appreciated Viagra, David? I just appreciate that it's probably helped men who maybe weren't able to reach, as I said, their full tumescence and then the anger and frustration they have from that, that they might push out onto the world in, instead, they are able to sate whatever that need is, thanks to a, a little blue pill. Good answer. I'll talk to you off air. <laughs> Wait, is this a Christmas present? <laughs> Can we talk about the Christmas telly that's coming out then? Might as well. It's a Christmas special. Yeah, let's do that. Right, Neil, what Christmas telly are you looking forward to watching? I'm looking forward to the Strictly Christmas special. I'm looking forward to watching Die Hard. I'm looking forward to watching one of the Disneys with my nieces. What's not to look forward to when it comes to Christmas? Are you looking forward to Doctor Who, The Church on Road? Oh, my God, yes. Oh, my God, yes. I Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's the top of my list. Doctor Who, Nietzsche absolutely, I cannot wait. Yes, the church on Ruby Road, um, where we, we will meet Nkuti's uh, new companion in this episode, I believe. Yeah, and I cannot wait to find out who that's going to be. I'll be really happy if it's someone who I'm not already aware of. I, I, I can't wait to find out who I will be spending a lot of time with, unfortunately, digitally. I mean, I can tell you it has been released, that news. Well, tell me then. Uh, Millie Gibson is the actress. Um, uh, she's previously been in Corrie and has won the Best Young Performer uh, at the British Soap Awards. She'll be playing a character called Ruby. Great. I'm assuming the eponymous Ruby. From Ruby Road. Yeah. Possibly so. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if she was a Ruby who lived on Ruby Road? If the road was named after her as well as the episode. Obviously a very oh, important character. If they called it Ruby Close, you know, then it could have been about how the Doctor kept Ruby Close. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Who you... needs the cracker when you've got Adam for the punchlines? Well, if you're if you're up for more Christmas comedy, you might enjoy The Heist Before Christmas, which stars Timothy Spall and James Nesbitt. That's out on Christmas Eve on on the Sky. Or you might also enjoy the final ever episode of Ghosts, which is coming out on BBC on the Christmas Day. Yeah, I mean, so there is a little bit of. Uh... Well, I wouldn't say that they're lying, but it seems to be a mistruth because whilst indeed that will be one of our last kind of classic episodes of Ghosts, they have released that there will be kind of one-offs back in time in different eras for the Ghosts. So I think that means we're going to lose our the living people from it. I think their story is absolutely going to be closed off 
in this Christmas finale, which, you know, it's no bad thing because the ghosts are my favourite part of ghosts anyway. I know you've done a link about this, but I didn't probably read it. We're getting one-offs or a series on, on the backstories of the ghosts. But now I know how you feel, Adam, when you write your notes and no one bothers to read them. No, I believe it's one-offs. I think it's going to be a series of one-offs. So they, they released a book, I'm assuming for last Christmas. It's full of stuff. So like Fanny has a letter to the company i can't remember what they're called now but the ones that made the titanic and so there's all these other things so i'm assuming that's what it will be we'll see the characters as they're around button house in their different time periods but i'm assuming it well there might be one of robin on his own but i'm assuming it'll be once there's a couple of other people who are also ghosts at that point you know i'm game for that i really enjoy ghosts um i'm looking forward to watching this on christmas day um and yeah i could definitely handle some more well you know it's not the only ghost based drama available adam um well you do know because you've written these notes that i'm reading uh, a ghost story <laughs> what now are we getting ghostbusters no, we're not getting Ghostbusters. Um, it's a ghost story for Christmas, lot number 249, uh, which is Mark Gattis' Conan Doyle adaptation, and it stars Freddie Fox and he knows nothing, Jon Snow, Kit Harrington. Yeah, it's out on BBC on the on the Christmas Eve. A couple of animated bits for you. Uh, we will be watching Tabby McTat, which is the new Julia Donaldson show. Uh, this time with Rob Brydon, well, always with Rob Brydon, but this time with Chopin Derisu providing the voices. Tabby McTat is one of the Julian McDonaldson books I don't know. So this is going to be um, a thrilling new discovery for me on, on Christmas Day. And Have you read Hemming McHemming? Hemming McHemming. No, is that a Julia Donaldson? I do, yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic book. What's the What's the premise of that one? It's... Um... <laughs> It's the um, it's a guy who hosts a podcast and is shown the evil of his ways. Does it have a happy ending? Mm, I don't want to spoil anything. Fair enough. Well, there is another animated show out on the 25th of December. It's not at all Christmas related. It's Star, Star Trek Prodigy, uh, which is uh, about young aliens. Uh, and there will be t- all 20 episodes will be dropping on Netflix on Christmas Day. So if you are a Trekkie or a young Trekkie, maybe that might be something of interest. And if you want to watch them all, all you have to do is use the force on your remote control. (laughs) Oh, dear. There is a really good list on the Guardian's website of all of the TV, but those are the ones that I picked out as being particularly interesting. But we'll pop the link to that in the podcast description. Should we do a bit of news quickly? There is some news which I thought was pretty, 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 pretty good. And that is the 12th and final season of Curb Your Enthusiasm is going to drop on the 5th of February on Sky. Love it. 5th of February, Sky, Curb Your Enthusiasm, season 12. Get it down, yeah. Uh, There's a couple of shows that have been ordered. First by Apple TV. They've placed an order for Murderbot, which will star Alexander Skarsgård. It's an action-packed sci-fi series based on the Hugo and Nebula award-winning books by Martha Wells about a self-hacking security android who is horrified by human emotion yet drawn to its vulnerable clients. I'm definitely going to be up for this. Apple TV are doing sci-fi really, really well, I think. So this looks pretty, pretty exciting. Uh, and the BBC uh, have ordered a bit more of a down-to-earth show, which is Daddy Issues. And that's going to star Amy Lou Wood and David Morrissey as daughter and father. 
It's a, an odd couple comedy from the team that made the in-betweeners. Gemma lives for the weekend. Malcolm is kind-hearted but hopeless. Uh, and they end up having to share accommodation. We've also got some great news uh, in the renewal stakes. So we've got release dates for the new series of season, should I say, of Branchester, Silent Witness and Call the Midwife. Uh, and we also know that Good Omens has been renewed for a third and final season. Uh, Netflix have released some figures, some data from Netflix, which they very rarely do. Uh, they've released the viewing figures for the first half of this year in total hours viewed. So generally, obviously, <laughs> series tend to come out a little bit higher than films, because of a shorter number of hours. And shows that were released earlier in the year have had longer for that total hours to be built up. But The Night Agent was, interestingly, the most viewed um, can you think of any other Netflix shows you might expect to see on that list? Was um, Stranger Things in the first half of this year? Stranger Things was last year. <laughs> to be honest, Netflix hasn't released anything recently that has certainly excited me. And I've had this conversation with friends at work. The Disney Plus and Apple TV or Adam TV has produced far greater, more enticing viewing than Netflix has. I think Netflix is falling behind. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a scattergun approach, definitely. So you've said it's just the first half of this year, right? Yes, the first half of this year. Okay, because if you said the whole year, obviously, I'd have to put obliterated on that list. But obviously, if it's just the first half of the year. Um, uh, Well, The Witcher, the, the latest series of The Witcher come out in the first half of this year? I think it might have been a little bit late in the either either after that or a little bit later. Yeah, it's not it's not in the the top bits. You want me to put you out your misery? There's definitely one show Matt. that you really enjoyed, Damo. Top Boy. Uh, no, Top Boy's no. It's got to be Better Call Saul. No, Better Call Saul was last year. All of it was last year. Top Boy is not first half of the year. Beef. Of course. I mean, Wednesday was towards the end of last year, so Wednesday features quite high up on on the list as well. Uh, I mean, Fubar, which is the Arnold Schwarzenegger one, that's quite high up on it. I didn't I really didn't rate that. But some of the other shows we've watched, like Kaleidoscope, we talked about previously, The Diplomat, they're all kind of feature fairly high up on there. Uh, Sweet Tooth season two, also quite pleasingly, is fairly high up the list. But yeah, I, I did a quick, uh, I started doing my list for the end of the year of my 23 favourite new shows and 23 favourite returning shows. I did a quick count of which ones came from which platforms. And actually... Overall, Netflix was second highest on my list after the BBC. So I think there are still some decent things on the Netflix, but maybe not quite such the, the good percentage success rate it previously had. I'll tell you something, talking about Netflix that I'm looking forward to, which could be something huge. I was a big fan of Narcos and Narcos Mexico. We've got a show coming out at the end of January, uh, starring, I believe, Sofia Vergara as in the lead, playing uh, the La Madrina. Uh, it's called Griselda from the makers of Narcos, and it's about one woman who kind of basically took over the Miami Coke scene. And it's based on a true story, this, as well, isn't it? She was the called the godmother, known as the godmother. Yeah, yeah. That's right, La Madrina, yeah. Yeah, very exciting. I mean, for those who enjoy Bridgerton season three is coming out in May 2024, um, will be coming out in two parts. And incredibly exciting news that Blue Eye Samurai has been renewed for a second season. Thanks to my plea on the podcast last week. Anything else you want to pull out from the news here? Should we leave that news there again? Go on, Damien. Yeah, the one thing I want to say is I'm so glad, you know, people often uh, accuse Paramount Plus of having no original ideas and that they just live off previous IP. 
And I'm so glad to see that they're going to be releasing a series based on the film of Cruel Intentions, completely necessary. I mean, they could have done Les Liaisons Dangereux, which is the, you know, the source material. They could have done something really interesting, but no, they're going to make a series on the uh, late 90s. Admittedly, quite fun popcorn film, but are you going to stretch that to a series? A bit of casting news quickly, uh, that Harriet Walter and Timothy Spall have joined the cast of Wolf Hall, The Mirror and the Light with your mate Neil. Um, Andrew Koji, Richard Dormer and Tania Miller um, will appear in season three of Gangs of London and Sky have cast Ella Purnell in Sweet Pea, which is an adaptation of a CJ Skews novel, um, also going to be starring Leah Harvey, who's incredibly good in Foundation, Ted Lasso's Jeremy Swift and John Pointing, who we've been watching in Smothered. Uh, that's, that show's described as a deviously twisted coming-of-rage story. And finally on casting news, Timothy of the Oliphants will join the cast of Noah Hawley's Alien prequel. What's that going to be on? Is that another Paramount Plus? I don't know, actually. Uh, I don't have that in front of me here. We'll have to dig that out. But yeah, this is before set before um, Ripley comes into the picture. Of course, there was some sad news this week and that Andre Brower, actor most famously known for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, sadly passed away at the age of 61. Yeah, some devastating news. Captain Raymond Holt was an integral part of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and a great foil, much like Rosita Diaz, played by Stephanie Beatrice, was to the craziness that went on around them. I believe he also was quite an accomplished stage performer as well as a screen performer. So he is a sad loss. Thoughts with his friends and family at this time. There are some lovely YouTube compilations available commemorating the best moments of Captain Holt on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I can highly recommend checking those out as a way of celebrating his life and his career. There are some really, really funny scenes in there. And yeah, it's definitely a shame that he's no longer with us. Right, I think it's time for start the theme tune. I'm assuming that's how the rest of it goes. I mean, I don't really watch either show. It's time for our university challenge on Tom Baker. Are you ready for this? Okay, so the fourth doctor, played by Tom Baker. I'm going to give you five questions with a few little factoids in between. Uh, his sonorous voice provided narration on Little Britain. And in 2006, he came where in a survey of the most recognisable voices in the UK? That's awkward. Yeah. He came where in a survey? What place? Where did he rank in a survey of the most recognisable voices in the UK? Was it fourth, sixth or eighth? Sixth. On my head, I was thinking seventh. So that's really, that's really, sad. well, you've gone for six, haven't you, Neil? So I'll go eighth. It was fourth. Fourth most recognisable voice in the UK in 2006. It's probably when Little Britain was you know, at its height, right? And the only people that beat him in that survey were the Queen, Tony Blair and Margaret Thatcher. Mm, mm. <laughs> so far, all of our doctors have had some sort of naval background. Well, Tom's <laughs> no different. His father was a seaman. And after his national service, he joined the Merchant Navy. Tom himself joined a monastery at the age of 15 and left six years later, stating that he realised he wanted to break the Ten Commandments in order, so he thought it's probably best that he go. He later received a contract at the National Theatre under Laurence Olivier between 1968 and 1971. What was one of his largest roles? Was Ooh. it a bear, a horse or an owl? Well, a horse. Well, I guess maybe a bear could be larger than a horse. 
But as far as largest, I'm going to go horse. I was a bit worried that your question was going to be which commandment did he actually break? I'm going to say a bear because I think maybe he might have pursued someone off stage as the infamous Shakespearean stage direction is. Excellent pursued by a bear. He played the horse, Rosanante, in Don Quixote. So well done, Neil. Point for you. Um, but yeah, he, he mainly played sort of smaller roles and was understudying people at the National. Um, in, one of his, in one of his early films, however, Tom played a villain opposite which hero? Was it A, The Three Musketeers, B, Sinbad, or C, Robin Hood? Robin Hood. I mean, I, I would like to see his Sheriff of Nottingham, but I'm actually going to go for Sinbad. Well, Damo, he, he apparently he responds to requests, so you can always ask him. <laughs> uh, you can, in fact, because he's, he's the first of our four doctors who's still alive. Um, it was Sinbad. He was in Ray Harryhausen's The Golden Voyage of Sinbad. He played Cora, the sorcerer. Um, and this was one of the roles that drew the attention of the producers of Doctor Who. But what was Tom working as when he was approached for the role? Waitress in a cocktail bar? <laughs> I wish I had that as one of my options now. Was it A, a taxi driver, B, a mechanic, or C, a waitress? No, C, a construction worker. I'm going to go taxi driver. I'm going to go construction worker. A construction worker is the right answer. Yes, he was working uh, on a construction site. His mates teased him that they found, that in casting him as Doctor Who, they found the only middle-aged 10-year-old in the business. (laughs) And a bit of a story about his famous scarf. Obviously, uh, Tom Baker's Doctor Who was famous for his long scarf and his jelly babies. But the scarf was actually, actually came about as an accident. So they gave the, one of the props mistresses a load of wool um, to create this scarf and gave her uh, lots of different colours so that they could choose which colour the scarf would be. But there was a mistake in communication, so they just used all of the wool. Anyway, this is your fi- final question, I think. Yes, final question then. What's the scores on the doors? I think it's 2-1 to Damien at the moment, so chance to pull level in. In, in later life, uh, Tom appeared in Blackadder Season 2 as Redbeard Rum. But what was the episode title of that episode? Was it A, Potato, B, Money, or C, beer? I'm going to go A, potato. I'm going to go beer. The correct answer, Neil, is potato. <laughs> so well done. You've drawn level with Damien on this occasion. But yeah, a few other quick facts for you. Did any of you watch Fort Boyard? <laughs> with Melinda Messenger. <laughs> yeah, and Leslie Grantham. He was the captain in the lighthouse. <laughs> of course he was. Yeah, of course he was. And he was also a candidate to play Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, really? Yeah, I think he would have been a brilliant candidate. I mean, not that McKellen mm. did a bad job. Right, so we uh, should we talk about the um, genesis of the Daleks, Neil? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> the first time we see Davros in this episode. And the episode takes us back to the introduction, well, not the introduction, to, well, literally the genesis when Davros invents the Daleks. I wasn't particularly excited by the episode, but I was, I guess, excited by the first time watching, well, obviously not my first time, but seeing the first time that Davros was introduced. Um, and he's created this this major weapon um, that certainly in this episode he's controlling. That's not the case in future episodes, but... Or, or or other episodes, but he has created this, yeah, this super weapon. I think the episode itself, 
I didn't particularly enjoy. I watched it. Um, I thought it was actually quite dull. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it's it's super power was introducing us to Davros. Yeah, it's it's always difficult, isn't it? Because there's sort of multiple episode arcs in these stories, and the first one is kind of setting stuff up a lot, and so you don't get as much of the action. Uh, I managed to watch two of these, and and the the end of the second one is a brilliant cliffhanger. Really, really great, sort of exciting end to an episode of Doctor Who, and it reminded me how how well Doctor Who could do that, could give you a really sort of gripping cliffhanger that meant you were desperate for the, the week to roll around to watch the next episode. He's got two companions in this one. He's got Sarah Jane Smith, played by Elizabeth uh, Sladen, and Harry Sullivan, who's played by Ian Martyr. And, and Sarah Jane is a character that ends up having their own spin-off series. So the Sarah Jane Adventures, I think it is. Yeah, and K-9 comes back for those. Yeah, I was trying to remember whether K-9 was a Tom Baker thing or a Peter Davison thing. I think possibly both, maybe. Yeah, I think he covered both. Uh, listeners, please, please correct us. But yeah, I, I think he covered both of those. But he's, he, K-9 is um, very much associated with Sarah Jane. Right. Well, I mean, Davros, as a even in this sort of early iteration of Davros, was one of the most terrifying things for me as a kid. Absolutely. Um, just the sort of raisin-like texture of his face and the way that he, you know, it was lower half of his body was in, in a Dalek, essentially. Um, and also, yeah, just the, the creepy voice. But yeah, Davros was definitely something that had me hiding behind the sofa. What did you think of Tom Baker, though? I don't think this is the best episode to appreciate Tom Baker. Tom Baker was possibly my first Doctor Who and uh, there weren't any jelly babies. Um, there wasn't the kind of humour that he's got that really came to fruition with Little Britain. So I would say this particular episode isn't the best one to show off him and what he brought to Doctor Who because he was an amazing Doctor. Yeah, there was a lot of, um, I think certainly when it, in his early part of his Doctor Who era, there was a lot of influences from Hammer Horror films. So it, there was a, a little bit more of an adult angle towards Doctor Who. I watched. I watched when the I, again. I've mentioned this before, but I watched the Face of Evil, which is a I think a four part story in the fourteenth season of Doctor Who, which is the introduction of of Leela. Um, and yeah, and, and I you do get a lot more of his sort of comedic chops in there as well. I think, but he's just so committed to it. Like he really sort of lives and breathes Doctor Who. I think Tom Baker. Yeah, yeah. And was was responsible for some of the show's most popular or highest viewing figures, certainly. And also one of the longest serving doctors, I think, if not the longest serving. Yeah, he 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 was fantastic. Um I think without him, there would be a chance of Doctor Who not lasting as long as it has. Um he's he's just brilliant and much loved. And when he has returned in the Russell T Davis era, um, it, it is it's been magical. Like, like like you know, you see him as the museum creator, and you uh, as as an audience member, you know, your heart warms. You know, he's he's brilliant and much loved. Somebody else who's uh, and other people who <laughs> hold him up as the best Doctor is the Simpsons. Wherever the Simpsons have to show or want to show. 
Doctor Who, it's usually the Tom Baker version of the Doctor in those episodes. For those of us that are fans of the entire series, I, I think Tom Baker is probably the most iconic Doctor. Um, no offence to any of the others, because they've all done fantastic, but Tom Baker really does do it. As far as modern, I'd probably go for David Tennant, but as far as encapsulating the Doctor... I think for me, it would have to be Tom Baker. Well, next up, we've got Peter Davison. And he was, you know, definitely the the doctor I spent the most time with as a kid, I think. And I remember being utterly gutted when he left the series. was the beginning of the end, I think, for me. Um, was when Peter Davison left Doctor Who. Well, I've got three options for you for episodes. Uh, again, I've, I've gone online and looked at sort of the what's critically regarded as the best Peter Davison uh, series or arcs. Uh, the first one is Earthshock. Uh, deadly androids are protecting a bomb buried beneath the Earth from all investigation. However, the Doctor manages to disable it, alerting its owners, the Cybermen. Mm. Uh, we've got Resurrection of the Daleks. Uh, Davros has been kept in suspended animation aboard a prison space station, but now the Daleks have come to collect him, aided by Lytton and his fake policemen. And then the final one is The Caves of Androzani. Gunrunners on Androzani Minor are supplying the unhinged android builder, Sharez Jek, with munitions to help his plot to return to power. But not everybody is happy with that. Uh, and that one is Peter Davison's final story. Now, I know we've done Cybermen and Daleks already so far in our four Doctor episodes, but have you got any, any preference here? My preference... Uh, and this is also based on the fact that we've already looked at Daleks and Cybermen, is Peter Davison's last episode or last story. Great. Yeah, I think that's that's a really great um, place to, to go. We'll be watching The Caves of Androzani, and we may not... We're going to give ourselves a little bit of time. I think our next episode is going to be our review of the year episode, which will probably be quite a long one anyway. So let's say early Jan, I think, we'll give ourselves for the next uh next university challenge uh, we'll see if me, if me and neil are bored over christmas between christmas and new year's maybe we'll pop on and do a little special um just on peter davison but it gives us a little bit of time to watch maybe more than one of the episodes grant anything else you want to any any christmas messages you want to pass on to our, our listeners don't eat yellow snow <laughs> story 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 <laughs> Yeah, I guess have a wonderful Christmas. Allow yourself the opportunity to relax in front of something nice to watch, something nice to eat if you can, whether it be some god-awful trash like reality TV or a very well-made drama. No judgment here. You deserve a breast and a break. We certainly will be. Have a great time. Yeah, and it's not what you watch, it's who you watch it with. 100%. Yeah, well, if you want to let us know what your plans are over Christmas or anything you're enjoying on the telly, you can contact us on the social media at tvdnapod or email tvdnapod at gmail.com. I will say, just remember that Christmas dinner is just another meal. No, it's not. Again, it's not what you eat, it's who you eat it with. I guess my point is, don't get, don't get stressed, just enjoy it. So are you guys playing an orgy for Christmas? What is going on? Yeah, you're not invited, Demo. I can tell. <laughs> what did I miss when you were talking about Doctor Who and I left the room? <laughs> and another thing for those who are fans of comedy, you might just catch it. This week, I'm having my first attempt at stand-up comedy at The Space. 
on the bill will be previous guests and co-hosts, both Matthew Jameson and Mike Carter will be on the stage telling some great jokes. So there will be a link available in the notes. Merry Christmas, everyone. Bye. Merry Christmas.